Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. Today, we're joined by Martha Stark, a professor, lawyer, and tax policy expert who serves as policy director of Tax Equity Now New York, or T-E-N-N-Y. Martha is a former commissioner of the New York City Department of Finance during the Bloomberg administration, and she has served as a clinical professor at NYU since 2017, where she earned her Juris Doctor and Bachelor's degree. In this episode, we discuss Martha's work with TENNY, which leads a coalition of groups that has sued New York City and state claiming that New York City's property tax structure violates the Constitution and various tax laws. Join us as we unravel the complexities of New York City's property tax system and discuss what T-E-N-N-Y hopes to achieve. Welcome, Martha, and thank you for being here today. Thank you, Jill. It's great to be here, and I want to thank Schneck for actually wanting to talk about this really incredibly important issue for the city of New York. Absolutely. So could you start by giving us an overview of Tax Equity Now New York and its primary objectives? Sure. Um, Thank you. So I'm just going to call it Penny because we use that for short to describe the organization. Basically, it's a coalition of people who were concerned about the New York City property tax. As you mentioned in your introduction, I served as the city's finance commissioner and the Department of Finance is primarily responsible for actually establishing the value for property taxes. And one of the things that we certainly learned in doing that work is that in addition to trying to sort of make sure people understood how we arrived at their values, there were certain inequities in the law that needed to sort of be addressed um, as well. Since um, I left the Department of Finance, we actually wanted to kind of continue kind of good work in terms of thinking about how the Department of Finance, the city of New York actually implemented the property tax. And a bunch of us actually who had worked in the Bloomberg administration were pretty aware of um, the, the several inequities. In fact, we used to do a fun thing every Sunday. You may be aware, but the you know New York Times actually publishes sort of a list of the sales that have happened in every borough. And usually they yeah. highlight one sale from every borough. And we would literally, the morning, Sunday morning, we'd send a note to each other and say, okay, which property has the best tax deal in the city and which one has the worst? And that kind of led us to sort of think about, well, if we wanted to make sure that the city's property tax structure was the best that it could be, what were the next steps that could be taken in order to ensure that? And we decided that, you know, the legislature was not doing very much to change the property tax. There was some things that weren't happening any longer on the administrative side. And of course, you know, the third branch of government, the judiciary had not been involved in terms of the city's property taxes since 1974. And so this group of us actually said, well, might change happen if the court was involved. And so that led to the creation of Tax Equity Now New York, 
um, or Kenny in an effort to actually encourage slash force changes to the property tax that would make it more fair, less discriminatory, and really kind of the best tax system in the country. And right now, I would say it's probably hovering around the bottom of tax system. Okay. So could you cite an example for our listeners to give them an idea of the best and the worst property tax scenario? Sure. So let me talk about two scenarios, actually. One involves small homes in the city of New York. So one, two, or three family homes. Joe, we didn't talk about what kind of home you might have, but let's sort of start with some of the inequities that exist there. So just a kind of reminder, property taxes are interesting. They're actually pretty much hated by lots of people kind of around the world. (laughs) And the part of the reason why the property tax is so kind of reviled, if, if you will, is because it's actually based on the value of your home. And you don't get to tell the city, I think my home is worth, you know, $300,000. The city actually tells you what they think your home is worth. So that's kind of a problem in and of itself, right? Because do you agree with how they said, what they said your home is worth or not? But the sort of premise of the property tax first is that it's a tax on value and it's unrelated to income, right? So I don't care if your income went up, I care whether or not your property value went up. So so fundamentally, people kind of have a little bit of a problem with that because the city is telling you what their value is. So if you have a home that's worth $300,000, Theoretically, you should be liable for the same tax. But if you look around the city, you will find that there are $300,000 homes that might be paying $3,000 in taxes, and then there might be some that are paying $1,500 in taxes. And I should sort of say just that's problematic because, in fact, the law, the property tax law in New York State requires uniform assessment. Uniformity to me always meant, you know, I went to Catholic school. And so uniformity meant to me that I had to wear kind of the same outfit as my colleagues. And, you know, there was like little variations, like we could wear different shoes and or, you know, some of us would, you know, try to get our skirts up a little higher than, than was required. But certainly the color pattern was the same. And so the one area of the law that we are challenging with our lawsuit is that the city's assessments are not uniform as required by law. And there's some reasons why that happens, but I don't want to delve into those right now. So that's one example. So you could have a $300,000 house, taxes as low as, you know, a thousand to 1500 to as high as 3000 to 3500 And that's not uniform assessments. The second sort of thing that's important to sort of note is there's this interesting part of the law that said that if you are living or actually in a co-op or condo building, those properties don't get valued based on their sales prices. Instead, what has to happen is you have to value them as if they were a rental building. 
And so that's led to some very interesting problems in that. For example, one of the sales that we talk about a lot was, you know, Ken Griffin, who has a bunch of homes all over the country and the world, bought a $238 million condo. And that condo for city tax purposes is valued at something like 12 or $13 million. Mm-hmm. So the second part of um, kind of what we think of as an inequity is that high value co-ops and condos are valued at far less than they are worth. And as a result of that, it actually leads to sort of higher taxes for rental properties and tenants. And so to the extent that the city is really concerned about tenants and wants rental housing built, this tax inequity makes it really problematic to to build. It's very hard to build rental housing. Everyone thinks the rents are too damn high. And as a result of some of the ways in which the tax is administered and what's required. So again, those two things, homeowners, definitely problems there. And then secondly, certainly problems between kind of how co-ops and condos are valued and how that transfers some of the taxes onto rental properties. And if there were nothing else that folks took away from our conversation, I do want to remind renters that they pay property taxes. Many tenants don't think that they pay property taxes, but absolutely a portion of their rent is attributable to property taxes. And it can be as high as one third of your rent that's actually going on towards property taxes. Okay. Well, that was very helpful. Thank you. So what specific outcomes is Tammy hoping to achieve with its lawsuit against New York City's property tax system? So that's that's a really great question. What are we hoping to achieve from our lawsuit? So the the first thing that I want to make clear is this is not a lawsuit where any or anyone gets money. Um, We're asking the court for what's called declaratory judgment. And so what we want from the court at this juncture is just to say that the city's property tax system is illegal, unconstitutional, a violation of the Fair Housing Act and discriminatory, actually violation of equal protection and the like. And what we want the court to do is declare that and actually then direct, if you will, the legislature to fix it and fix it with some parameters around what the fix needs to look like. I liken this not because I necessarily think that they're directly analogous, but liken this to when in 1954 in Brown v. Board of Education, the court told basically, you know, jurisdictions that with all due deliberate speed, they needed to, you know, integrate um, schools. So in this case, what we're hoping the court will do is say to the legislature, with all due deliberate speed, you have to fix this property tax because it violates so many um, sort of different, you know, sort of laws and needs to be fixed. I should just say, from the stance of where our case is right now, it's unlikely that the court will go so far as to make that declaration. And that's because we have been in a period where 
the state and the city has been asking the court to dismiss our case because they don't think it, you know, states the cause of action. So we're in the very preliminary stages. So hopefully more likely is that the court says this case should proceed because we've stated enough information so that it warrants a day in court where we actually find out more about how the city's practices could be a violation of the law. So that's where the case is now. And that's kind of what our hopes are. Okay, thanks. So what would you say, in your view, are the most critical flaws in New York City's current property tax system that led to the formation of Tenney and this lawsuit? And I know you touched upon a few of those in your description, but is there something that kind of, you know, stands out? Yeah. So the other, you know, sort of interesting issue is if you look at um, homeowners, and again, that was the first example that I gave from before. If you think about sort of homeowners, one of the things that we also wanted to figure out is whether or not the current system and the way that it's implemented <laughs> leads to any kind of discriminatory results, right? So the question there for us was whether or not it turns out that, you know, um, black and brown homeowners, low-income homeowners are paying kind of more in taxes than sort of more, you know, sort of, you know, white or wealthier homeowners. And interestingly, the data actually shows that communities that are predominantly, you know, my majority minority communities actually do pay higher taxes or assessed at a higher assessment than majority white neighborhoods. Now, it's interesting for me because I actually can pick on Park Slope in Brooklyn in part because I, I live there. So I, I can always sort of choose um, Park Slope as a, a place to sort of talk about. Park Slope is a kind of majority um, white neighborhood and the taxes on homes in Park Slope are significantly lower as a percent of their value than homes, for example, in several kind of many neighborhoods in the Bronx that are predominantly majority black neighborhoods. And so part of what we wanted to also kind of highlight is that it's not just that the properties are not being taxed uniformly, but as a result of that, it has a discriminatory impact that needs to be addressed. So that's really one of the sort of also driving forces. And it led to a coalition of people like, for example, the uh, Latino justice, for example, has done an amicus brief um, in terms of this. The NAACP New York chapter has done an amicus brief. The Black Institute is part of the coalition. In addition, people like the NYU Furman Center has done um, an amicus brief underscoring the discriminatory impact of the taxes as has the Citizens Budget Commission, less on the discriminatory side, but kind of on the really significant importance of the property tax to the city's fiscal, you know, sort of their fiscal. I mean, it's the, the property tax is a third of the city's revenue. And mm -hmm. so some people describe it as having it on a rickety foundation, which it currently sits on, is not the best 
likely or the best way to have a functional property tax system. And the city certainly needs the revenue to provide the vital services, but it needs to be on a much more firm foundation and a legal foundation than it is now. Okay. So can you explain the legal grounds on which Tenney is challenging the property tax system and how does the system violate New York's constitution or other legal provisions? Sure. So if you think about the, the city's constitution, let, let me actually start sort of from the sort of law side of it, right? So, you know, we have state laws in place, for example, there's a law on the real property. The real property tax law requires that assessments be uniform within each class. So one of our claims is, of course, that assessments are not uniform within each class. So that's that's kind of, you know, fundamentally just challenging based on existing state law that that state law is not actually being followed in a way that's legal. On the constitutional side, right? There's constitutional requirement for equal protection and also equal protection, at least in the property tax realm, that people are all kind of assessed and valued based on their full um, sort of value of property. And the claims around co-ops and condos and valuing them as if they are rentals is in another kind of law, but wondering whether or not this requirement from an equal protection perspective that things be valued based on really market value um, is undermined in some ways by this other section of the law. Um, the other um, interesting sort of claim that we make is that the Federal Fair Housing Act actually could be in play here um, as well. Um, the Federal Fair Housing Act, you know, of course, requires that you not, you know, treat different kinds of housing uh, differently and that none of your sort of laws or implementation of those laws perpetuate segregation. And so we also have claims that we actually think that currently the way the property tax is both kind of administered um, and otherwise that it could um, perpetuate um, segregation. And so that's just kind of a, a quick flavor. I should say that the complaint that we filed is about certainly north of 100 pages, 100, maybe 107 pages, if I recall correctly. And so detailed in there are sort of all of the um, claims that we have and the several um, areas of the law that we think are violated. Okay. And so if Tenney's lawsuit is successful, what kind of changes do you envision being implemented in the property tax system? So if we, again, I just want to just want to be clear that what we're asking the court is for declaratory judgment. And assuming that the court does that, it will direct likely the legislature to do something, or in some instances, they might appoint a special master and have a special master kind of come up with the outlines of what would be a good kind of property tax structure. So the court won't say this is what has to, you know, what has to be done or changed on a property tax, but will basically make it clear that these kinds of things have to change in this way. Again, just want to 
sort of make sure that those who are listening understand that, as a matter of fact, I would say the best thing that we could get from the court would be for the court to say, you know, plaintiff, you are absolutely right. And we are directing the legislature to fix the property tax in the following ways, right? More likely is, though, that the court would say the case should move forward because the posture of the case right now is that the city and state have moved to have the case dismissed. And the intermediate court agreed to dismiss the case. So we're at the stage now where we want, at a minimum, the Court of Appeals, which is the state highest court, to say, no, this case should not be dismissed because it raises legitimate issues and those issues should be explored and a determination made about whether or not they are right that these actions are a violation of the law. Understood. So beyond New York City, do you believe that this lawsuit has the potential to influence property tax systems in other cities or states? You know, I love that question. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to say the following, it's actually fairly narrow to New York City and actually the rest of the state. One of the interesting things to note is Within New York State, the only places that are subject to some of the provisions that we're challenging are actually New York City and Nassau County. So New York City and Nassau County have the same property tax system. The rest of the state operates a little bit differently. So what I will say is I don't think currently anyone would consider New York city and Nassau County system a model for anyone to follow. It's just so absolutely, um, to coin a term, I'm going to say screwy and so complicated. Few people kind of understand the property tax. So no one, I think, would say, let's emulate New York's property tax system. I do think that the hope is that we could have a property tax system that people would want to um, emulate. And I don't think that the court decision in and of itself could lead to, to that, though, depending on how the case is decided, it would be really great to send a message to all taxing jurisdictions that, you know, the property tax is too important for it to be, as I describe on this kind of rickety foundation. Again, I don't see now the city certainly is not a model, but I think that at least pursuing litigation as a method for making sure that the property tax structures are um, the best that they could be um, could certainly maybe lead others to um, pursue that as, as an option. Great. Well, thanks. You know, this information has been really helpful and so important to many New Yorkers. Where would our listeners find out more information about tax equity now? So we have a website and shame on me because I'm going to forget the actual website. I, I, I think I know it. And I okay, think. excellent. That's great. That's great. <laughs> it's uh, taxequitynow.nyc. That's right. That sounds that sounds um right. I actually 
haven't been on a the website in a week, so I really should have it um, locked into my computer right now. But you can um, visit um, our website to learn um, sort of more. And also, if you want to understand more about the inequities in the property tax, our website has information, but also has links to several of the organizations that help file amicus briefs. So for example, the Furman Center at NYU has really great information about the property tax. The Citizens Budget Commission writes often about the property tax um, as well. But really do stay tuned because it's pretty exciting and important that this case is going to be heard by the state's highest court in January, on January 9th. And so we're looking forward to presenting the case and looking forward to an opportunity for New Yorkers to really have a better property tax system than we currently have. And it would be fantastic if we could end up with the best property tax system um, in the country and maybe even in the world. Sure. Well, thanks so much for all the work that you're doing for New Yorkers. And it sounds like a really exciting time. And of course, we really look forward to the outcome on January 9th. And so Martha, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for being with us. And this is the Schneps Connects podcast. Listen to our podcast, visit podcast.schnepsmedia.com or stream them on all major podcast networks. Mm -hmm.